From KZYX, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, this is the local coronavirus update for Friday, February 5th, 2021. This is Alicia Bales, and you are tuned to our local coronavirus update. Now we are following up on the hour of uh, the county's coronavirus briefing that we just heard. And on the line with us is... Carmel Angelo, CEO of Mendocino County, and Becky Emery, Department Operations Center Manager for Health and Human Services here in the county, who's doing, as as you know, a lot of the detail work and contact tracing and vaccine rollout and testing and all of that stuff. So thank you both for being here today. We're going to open up the phone lines in, in just a moment. Uh, the number here in the studio is 707-895-2448. That's 895-2448. Two four four eight. So welcome, Carmel. It's been a while. Yes, yes. Hello. This uh, good afternoon to you, and thank you for the invitation. I hope it's okay. I included included Miss Emery to join me as I missed half of the media day with Dr. Corin early, and so I wanted to be sure if there was information, Alicia, you wanted or your callers wanted, that I had Becky with me to answer those questions. So thank you, Becky, and thank you, Alicia. I really appreciate both of you being here, and Carmel, it's, it's funny, you were pulled off of the media day because you had to go have another state meeting with uh, <laughs> state senator mike mcguire so that's it's, right it sounds like you've been i mean i just i just mentioned that it's been a year since the first death of covid in the united states and so uh, uh you know looking back on this year i don't think we've had just i don't think we've had a second to stop and look back we've just, just been full speed ahead in all of the different sort of chapters you know from the very beginning when we were talking about bumping elbows and you know the very right. first press conference right. And the, to to now, when you're rolling out the most ambitious vaccine effort the country's ever seen, um, we have heard stories that you have basically been arm in arm combat with the <laughs> or hand to hand combat with the state to try to cut loose more vac- vaccines for Mendocino County. I wonder if you can talk about uh, before we open up the phone lines what that is like, how it is to to deal with the state, how you get them to give us va- more vaccines and and just how you've been doing it. Well, Alicia, uh, again, thank you for the question. Um, you know, I, I want to commend Senator McGuire and Assemblymember Wood because they are our biggest champions when it comes to state issues and needing assistance with state departments. I will not negate the great work and efforts of Congressman Huffman, who helps us on a federal level as well. And, you know, I always say that. I always like to give them accolades, not because I do it, just because I do it, because those three representatives really help this community. They are absolutely big supporters of Northern California. And, you know, half of what we do, we couldn't do without them. So the issue with the state, let me try to be very brief, but the issue is, you know, this is such a global issue, right? And a national issue with no federal platform on any of this. And so here we are, you know, over a year into it and 2021 started with a bang, not a good bang. And, you know, we're trying to make it better. So what's happened is that as the vaccine rollout has occurred, you know, this is a first for the state as well. And so it's been challenging getting information as to how they have done the allocations. Depending on who you talk with, you could get a different story on the allocations. But the issue when you talk about 
you know, fighting with the state and going back and forth. I will tell you that as a CEO in a rural county, we always have to fight for rural counties because we don't have the majority of the people. We don't, we're not urban and suburban and we don't, we don't have those areas that have greatest need right now. And so um, it's always a challenge to make sure that vaccine is not shifted to urban and suburban areas from rurals. So what happened most recently is, and I, I want to, you know, also say that Becky's been instrumental in rolling out our vaccine program and getting that going. And we've done really well, um, you know, in, in spite of all the challenges that we've had, we have done really, really well. Mendocino County has got a lot of vaccine out there. And I think the latest number is approximately 12,000. What happened the week of January 13th is because we had rolled out so much vaccine, the state asked us if we, they had um, reallocated vaccine and they wanted to know if Mendocino County is one of a few counties that were asked if we wanted some additional vaccine. So of course we said yes. And Becky threw out a number that we never thought we would get. Becky threw out 2,400. How she came out with that, I have no idea, but she did. And she asked, and guess what? We got 2,400 additional vaccine vaccine and never we had to, to get ask. them out we were notified on wednesday january 13th that if we could get the vaccine out by friday january 15th they would give us extra vaccine we got the vaccine we got it out in two days and you know i know you know I, i've been with the county 14 years here and you know there's so much criticism on the county but i wish the public really knew the amount of work and effort that was put out by the county that was 2400 vaccines in two days so we got that out also with the help of our community partners. I'm not forgetting the community clinics that help us every day with vaccine distribution. But anyway, so when it came to second doses, the state, um, they didn't have their count right. And they didn't have the 2,400 doses in their count. So what we were told in Mendocino County is, oh, geez, sorry. Oh, this is so unfortunate. But yeah, no, we don't have it. Sorry, you're going to have to figure it out. And so, you know, what do you do when that happens? Well, you blow up. I'll, I'll tell you, you do, because it's like there's such a lack of trust, right? Just like the public looks at local government and there's a lack of trust when we say we're going to do something and we don't. It's the same between all arms of government. So here we were, you know, in good faith, giving out additional vaccine, which we wanted to do. If they gave us 24,000, we would have put out 24,000 doses. So at that point, you know, honestly, um, going round and round with the state, I just called Assemblymember Wood and Senator McGuire, and they got on the phone, and between them and us, boom, the next day at 11 o'clock, we got notified we were going to get 2,200 of our 2,400 doses, and our response was, we can make that work, which we did. I also want to say, for those uh, of your listeners who do watch um, Governor Newsom and Dr. Galley on their, um, their uh, press conferences, Dr. Galley is is a, a great physician, a great state health officer, and has been a friend of counties. And even though we had this blip and we had to really jump into gear to get the doses that we needed, I want to say that Dr. Galley is a friend and a colleague and works very hard to make sure that rural counties in particular get what we need because he comes from urban counties. And so he has been very helpful in assisting rural counties. So that's like in a nutshell what happened and we would do it all again. Give us an extra 50,000. We'll get them out in people's arms and we'll fight for the second doses. So that's who we are. So thank you. It's interesting to hear a hard no from the state and and realize that it actually isn't. You just have to know whose arm to twist. 
you know, they're the ones with the power. You know, they're the ones just like, you know, the state has the power over us because they have the vaccine. The feds have the power over the state because the feds have the vaccine. But, yeah, you're right. You have to know you have to know how to maneuver the system. You know, that's really how it is. And I think that in the end, when Dr. Galley was contacted, I mean, Dr. Galley wanted to do the right thing. And so basically directed his team that, hey, you got to find vaccine. There were 10 counties, 10. Mendo wasn't the only one. 10 counties that needed second doses that were told, oh, sorry, this is so unfortunate. I don't know how many of those 10 counties got their, their full allocation. These are unsettling stories. They do contribute to a lack of trust, absolutely. And I guess because we know we're in a bump, we're in for a bumpy ride here. Um, that I think the most transparency possible is just uh, as the way to go with this, so that people know that you're trying as hard as you can, and that you know the decks are pretty stacked, but you're doing. You know, you're, you are fighting for us. It is. It is happening, and you are getting the vaccines here as best you can. Yeah, the county is fighting for our people. Absolutely. Thank and, you. And succeeding. I mean, 15% of the eligible people. Is that what is that what? Yeah, um, well, it's Dr. actually closer to 17%, Alicia. And uh, Dr. Korn has it at 15.8, but it's somewhere between 15 and 17. I think it's a little higher. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I also want to say, as we talked about our, our community clinic partners, and, and Becky works with them much more so, um, I really don't do some of the detail um, she does and Dr. Corrin. The community clinics have been great partners at getting the vaccine out. The next challenge we have though, and I do want to say this because the public will certainly hear about it, as the state brings in this third party administrator, which we have yet to see what that will look like, and they're saying they will have this TPA model in place before the end of this month. Mm -hmm. we're, we're challenged to see what that will look like. But what we do know is because there is such a vaccine scarcity, if we cannot um, document the vaccine that goes out, we will not get vaccine. So as we work with our hospital partners and our clinic partners, it will be critical that everybody documents the vaccine that they get, which basically is inputting it into one of multiple databases. But if we can't prove that we've used the vaccine, and what I like to say to Dr. Galley is, you give us the vaccine on Tuesday, it's gone by Friday. If we can't prove that because we've given vaccine out to the clinics or to other partners and that documentation isn't happening, we're going to have to stop distributing vaccine and we're going to have to do it all ourselves. We don't really want to do that. We need our partners, particularly in the different areas of the county, but that's how critical it is with the documentation of the vaccine. The state has already said, you don't document it, you can't prove it, you can't get it. And so that is a hard message. That's a statewide message, but people here need to hear that. And you're talking about the the My Turn site that Mendocino is going to be part of uh, is the pilot project. Is that what you mean? My Turn. Well, it's actually twofold. My Turn is an online centralized appointment system. We hope that that uh, that the use of the My Turn system will create a centralized database, and the state will have the information that the vaccine has gone out. But until the whole state it has migrated to my turn and we have that going, we still have to document into a, a couple different uh, vaccine sites that the state has. And, you know, I know this from being a nurse for many years that there are times I'm out there or was out there taking care
care of the patient and not necessarily documenting until the end of the day. And when you're doing vaccine clinics and you vaccinated 50 to 100 people and you don't get that information in there till the end of the week, it makes a difference. Becky knows more about the documentation sites certainly than I do. But yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And my turn, we do think that my turn, once it's actually established and the kinks are worked out, that this will be a great system for us. What does it take for the local clinics? There's the six federally qualified health centers. What does it take for them to document their vaccine distribution? And and how's that been going? So uh, for the vaccine distribution, they have to report it into what they call the CARE system, which is a state database system where they track that immunization records. Uh, and it, it's the information from the patient, their demographics, and some of the other, you know, when the vaccine was administered, what that lot number is, um, various details around the vaccine itself so that they can clearly see not only was the vaccine administered, but that it was administered timely within that dose. So that's why that lot number is very, very important so that we make sure it's not an expired vaccine as well. Uh, and so it's, you know, for each person that we're vaccinating to put that into that system simultaneously or within the allotted time of eight hours is is a lot when you're talking about, you know, we've had 450 people at one of our clinics or one of our events. Sorry, we're, we're trying to switch uh, switch over to calling them events. Right, because <laughs> clinics are clinics and then there's clinics and it's confusing. So vaccine events. Are there vaccine events scheduled for the coming week? I know there's one tomorrow, uh, Saturday at Willits High School through Adventist, but I haven't, I've heard about some testing events, but not about upcoming clinic events and nothing is updated on the website yet. What What do you know? So I, I can speak to this, sorry, see, see you, Angela, okay. Yeah, uh, no, that's fine, please. <laughs> um, I know that we are working to, we're working with uh, our uh, federally qualified clinic partners because uh, we are coming up on that crux of when we receive those 2,400 additional vaccines. Uh, and so we are all scheduling second dose events. Uh, and so that's really going to be the, the push next week because uh, those are the vaccines that we've received, are those second-dose vaccines. And so um, for the three county events that we did the week of the 13th, 14th, and 15th that week, uh, we will be doing um, our own events. We'll be posting those um, shortly. So certainly watch our website, uh, check it regularly, uh, because we're working on that. And um, and. I know that our clinic partners are doing the same. They were notified today at noon because, uh, you know, that timeline of when we get notified that we have those vaccines available to roll them out, they had that information today. So they'll be starting those those, uh, events and getting those going as well. All right. So watch your website and connect with your clinic. Certainly. And and wherever you received your first dose is where you need to receive your second dose. We can't cross over from one event to another. So if you received it at a county-sponsored event, you need to return to a county-sponsored event. If you received it at a federally qualified clinic event, then you need to receive that second dose of that same clinic event. Okay, so um, as as one of your partners, as you guys call us, um, then <laughs> do we, as the media, I mean, is there anywhere except for the media for all of these different events to be compiled into into one place where people can find out what's going on? Even just to, I'm hearing from from lots of people that um, when a clinic is announced, people show up whether or not they're 
supposed to be in the tier, you know, and I feel like that's also a function of people just needing more information about about it. I mean, some we have a, a, an adage here in public radio that, that you got to say it eight times, you know, before. Yeah. But before um, before uh-huh. listeners really that really sinks in. So as many times as we can tell people what's going on, I guess. Let me get back to my question. Is there any kind of central place where the the Adventist events, where the clinic events, where the county events are uh, and and maybe the tribal center events as well uh, are posted so that people can find that in one place so at this time you know we don't have that um certainly we are working with our partners to um, get and share information i appreciate hearing loud and clear that you are willing to be a continued partner to share that information as well and uh, when we get to being able to put those out to everybody, which hopefully will be very soon as we are continuing to increase our vaccine team. Uh, we will share that with you uh, um, as quick as we've got it, Alicia. So thank you for yeah. uh, offering that. Right. Well, we're strategizing you know, here too. We want to see, because we know that um, certain things really work. Regular scheduling really works. Um, consistent messaging really works. So we're trying to see about how we at the radio station can, can be of service that way too. Alicia, you know, with the state moving to not only MyTurn.com with the centralized uh, database of appointments, they're also doing this third-party administrator. And what that model will be is the state will no longer... Now, this is what they're saying, but, you know, things change daily. But right now, our understanding of this TPA is that all the vaccine will go to the third-party administrator. And right now, the state is contracting with Blue Shield and Kaiser, which I'm sure you know. What I didn't know, but I learned this morning, is Kaiser has 25% of the population in the state. So naturally, the state is contracting with Kaiser. So Kaiser and Blue Shield. So all the vaccine will go to the TPA, and then the TPA will distribute the vaccine to county public health, to the clinics, to the multi-county entities. So I would hope that in that process with the new TPA, that possibly they could have a centralized database or on their website where you in Mendocino County can go to get your your, your shot. And, you know, we have a lot of hope for this TPA. Who knows what will happen in the end? Yeah. I've, I just, I can feel myself needing to do a whole show on that. <laughs> that, that Good luck. Those yeah. developments, yes. Um, all right, let's go ahead and, and take a call and see what's on the minds of our listeners here. Hello, caller. You're live on the air today. Yes, I want to thank you for this coverage that KZYX has been doing for so long. I realize the complexities of the rollout of a vaccine that requires uh, cold storage and uh, transport and we had a failure of our federal government under the last administration. But my question is, is it possible? I have two questions, and then I'll go off the air. PG&E alerts and sheriff alerts always come through. Can that be somehow used? Because um, there's a lot of us don't have Kaiser or Blue, Blue Shield. Um, not everybody is connected with a clinic. And if there is other ways to bring in people who need to be vaccinated. And my other question is, I caught the previous show uh, last minute, and I heard there were several restaurants in Fort Bragg where employees have been uh, tested positive. What's happening with that, and what are the restaurants again? Thank you so much. All right, thank you. 
let me let me start on that and then I'll turn it over to Becky when the when it gets hard. We'll do it that way, okay? Um, I want to say that we our system that we have that's an early warning system or an alert system is like reverse 911 or the sheriff's nixle system. The sheriff the sheriff uh, manages those systems. We are taking a look at can we get a public health um, module in Nixel to see if that's something we can use. And so that is something we are looking at, but right now we do not have that. So I wanted to bring that uh, up as she's in response to her question about alerts. And regarding um, regarding the restaurants, we did talk about that at the last hour, Alicia, I don't know if you had an opportunity to listen, but at the end of the hour, we did list the seven restaurants and we did put the, the names of those restaurants on social media earlier today. So this is not a secret. And if Becky doesn't have them in front of her, I will find them. Oh, I've got um, them in front of me. I, I think I just did. I absolutely have yeah, it. We have them. <laughs> okay. Then I'm going to leave it alone unless uh, I'm not sure what else the caller wanted, if she wanted to know the restaurants or the status. Yeah, so we'll go ahead and name the restaurants. Um, but also keep in mind that the restaurants have dealt with, this is far enough in the past now that the restaurants have been closed. They've been in touch with public health. They've cleaned up all the way. And, and they are, some of them are starting to reopen, right, Becky? That is correct. Uh, we have been working closely with some of these restaurants for, you know, starting as back as two weeks, as, as we said, when this, you know, first became, uh, came to our awareness. And we, you know, with all of our community partners, try to reach out to them right away and start those efforts. It's just as this event has expanded that we have um, been able to identify and tie these together. So yeah. Uh, certainly. Yeah. So let's go ahead and, and say it was uh, in Fort Bragg, uh, Denny's, My Infusion, Laurel Deli and Desserts, Silver's at the Wharf, Angelina's Bar and Grill, David's Deli and Restaurant, and Nuyo Harbor Inn and Restaurant. And um, there is a testing event in Fort Bragg Sunday from 9 to noon. If you were at any of these restaurants in the last two weeks, uh, you are encouraged to go to this testing event. It's drive-through, and it's at 205 South Street in Fort Bragg. Did I get it all? You got it. All right. So let's go Alicia, ahead. Alicia, yeah. just one more point. I just want to clarify because when people say outbreak, you think, oh, my God, 10, 15, 25 people. These outbreaks, we have to categorize an outbreak the way the federal government categorizes it, which is two to three. So there were a total in these seven restaurants of 15 positives. So you're talking two you know, two people per restaurant, thereabouts. And Becky can correct me if I'm wrong there, but, you know, it wasn't this huge major outbreak, except that it was seven restaurants. And, yeah, it. widespread. And, and also we're yeah. having sort of a, a we're having a, a tapering off of people going to get tested, right? I heard that the testing yeah. numbers are way down in the county. So even if there isn't much risk of having been exposed, it's probably a good idea to go and get tested again because our testing numbers are down. Becky, can you give an update on that? It is always good to get tested, absolutely. And our testing numbers have definitely decreased. Just looking at, you know, one of our sites where we, uh, over November and December, had 460 tests a day happening. Now we're hitting about 140. So significant decrease in our testing and our testing numbers. We absolutely want to encourage people to get tested. And I know a lot of people that have gotten the vaccines think that they don't need to test. They absolutely need to continue testing because they can still carry the virus and give it to their loved ones. So it's very, very important that people continue to test, mask, and social distance. Well, and how yeah. do we know if the curve is dropping, if people aren't testing even after vaccination? I mean, we don't get to start 
opening things up until that curve goes down, no matter how many people are vaccinated. So it's not just about each individual getting the shot. It's really about those numbers community wide. Um, Let's go ahead and take another call. I mean, you know, you know this. (laughs) I learned this from you guys. Okay, let's take another call. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Hi, I'm sorry to harp on the restaurant question, but the information is still confusing. Um, on the one hand, you just said that you've been working on the restaurant situation in Fort Bragg for a couple of weeks with public health and that they'd been cleaned up. And yet, for people who are getting the testing on Sunday, you said if you've been to the restaurant in the last two weeks. So, were they cleaned up before that or what? Good point. Thank you, caller. That is a great point. I, I agree. And one of the things that I would remind people that it takes 10 days for this virus to fully develop within, uh, you know, for transfer from one person to another. Uh, and so that's why we have that two week window is to try and identify all of these, you know, individuals and follow this and link them um, in that 10 days when that virus is spreading. And so that's why it's very important that we, you know, do the testing and have people uh, continue, even if they've cleaned up that restaurant uh, or the, all of the restaurants, and, and we, you know, we appreciate their partnerships, um, to, to know within that 10 days is, is very, very difficult. And so that's why even at two weeks later, which is 14 days, you know, uh, for this virus to develop and spread, uh, for them to continue to get tested is, is very important so that we can get ahead of this event as we've been able to identify it. Okay, because I know at least one of those restaurants was open at least in the middle of last week, and I'm assuming still is open. So how did, what are the rules and protocols for an outbreak that started two weeks ago um, vis-a-vis the restaurants to close um, until everything has been cleared and declared okay? So just to be clear, public health has not closed any restaurants. Um, the restaurants have closed of their own and may, and done the cleaning and done the, the taken the steps to keep the community safe. And that's one of that great partnership that we talk about. Um, they also have their staff in isolation. So by taking the staff that are currently positive out of the, the, the restaurants and, and no longer exposing, you know, but uh, and also those individuals that are close contacts. Um, and so we continue to, um, again, try and identify and make sure anyone who's possibly had contact with those individuals is getting tested so that we know. Understood. Yeah, and, oh. and I might have misspoken about the, making the impression that the, all the restaurants were closed for the last two weeks. Sorry about that. Okay, thank you. Thanks, great question. All right, let's see if we can fit one more in. Yeah, Alicia, while you're getting the next question, I do want to say that testing is down statewide, not just here in Mendocino County. And the state is now looking at other metrics other than testing, and they're looking at hospitalizations. And what we're finding is hospitalizations are down too. So we don't want to put out this false sense of, you know, everything's okay. But right now we're past the surge. You know, we're we're mid-February. And so we hope that we could continue like this. We're not sure we will, but we'd like to. Right. And then we have the variants that that may throw over. Which is a big issue. Yeah. Yeah. 
Hello, Carl. You're live on the air. Uh, yes, um, I was uh, one of the ones who was tested, and I came on the the, the program late uh, uh, by Anderson Valley, and was supposed to be retested on the 13th. And then uh, there was a lot of confusion about whether we would get our vaccine. But did you? Did I hear you say that? It's come through, and we'll be able to have our retest next Saturday. Go ahead. Go ahead, Becky. So, so yes, we, we ha- I will say uh, through CEO Angelo's diligent efforts, we have secured the vaccines as well as, you know, the supports of our uh, representatives. So, yes, we did absolutely secure the vaccines. Uh, as to when Anderson Valley will hold their event, I would encourage you to uh, connect with the Anderson Valley Health Clinic. Each of the clinics were notified today at noon, and we'll be scheduling their events to do those second dose events. Ah, wonderful. Thank you very much. You've been very helpful. All right. Thanks for the call. And these are second dose events for people whose first dose was on the 13th, 14th, or 15th of January. Um, do you have time for just one more call? The phone yeah. lines are lighting up. Sure. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hello, I'm, I have a question about the, the restaurant outbreak. Does this, is this a, a takeout or in, in-house dining that, that we have to be uh, alarmed about? Um, so it's my understanding is that most of the restaurants have been doing the um, takeout dining. Um, I'm not aware if, of any of these restaurants having in-house dining, but um, we will certainly look into that. My understanding is, as I said, that it's all been takeout dining that people have been doing from the restaurants. Okay, so if someone has had has picked up their their food and brought it home to eat it, are they at risk? You know, we don't know who had what level of contact. Keep in mind, we're thinking our close contacts are closer than six feet for 15 Mm -hmm. minutes or more, but we certainly encourage everyone that had any contact with those restaurants to get tested because we just don't know. Okie dokie. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks for the call. I think that's going to do it for us. It's 3.30 and um, you guys all have a very, very busy schedule. The question I want to ask you, though, I actually ask this at the end of of the show usually. Um, We like to do these weekly so that our listeners know that they can expect to tune in and and talk with someone from the county. Uh, Dr. Corrin has told us that he's not going to participate in these Friday uh, call-ins anymore. Is, can, is there someone from the county who we can expect will be available that our listeners can, can have this kind of information? This is incredibly useful. So, Alicia, offline, we can work out a schedule for you. Um, you know, in fairness to Dr. Corrin, he's, his schedule has gotten a little bit more hectic, and he's trying to focus on, um, on Spanish radio a little bit more so. We would like, if it's if it's okay with you, we would like to use this half hour to get messages out uh, to your uh, listeners around the operations. Like we talked about the restaurant outbreaks. We talked about vaccines. We'll be starting with MyTurn.com next week on a pilot. Then we're starting with the third-party administrators. So there's a lot to talk about. If you would be willing, we could have different uh, members of our team come on with you uh, for this half hour. 
and you let us know what you want to hear and that's what we'll come on and talk about and if i could just give a plug volunteers we can't do any of this without volunteers we want to thank all the volunteers and keep signing up all right well it's a deal we will continue to talk with you on fridays and um thank you thanks so much for coming on we really appreciate the information all right have a good day you too thank you thanks Thanks. becky Bye-bye. And that was Becky Emery of the Department Operations Center and Carmel Angelo, CEO of Mendocino County. I want to thank them both for coming on. And I'm Alicia Bales. You've been listening to the local coronavirus update from KZYXNZ Mendocino County Public Broadcasting in Philo, California. This podcast is made possible by funding from the Mask Awareness Project of North Coast Opportunities. To hear this program live, tune in on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time to KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Williton Ukiah at 91.5 FM, and in Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Or you can hear us anywhere at kzyx.org, where you can also find out how to donate or become a KZYX member. Thanks for listening.